Well, the universe is continuing its Cal Ripken-like streak of trying to find ways to fuck me over on recording day, so at least something about 2020 has stayed consistent and predictable. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at Nerd Tees and the unending rage induced by the construction going on next door. Today's paving day, so there's no way to be in my house and not hear it. And welcome to week seven of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2020 NFL regular season and postseason. And this has inarguably been my worst first two weeks doing this over the last almost nine years. Yes, it's been a 14-day stretch to forget as I'm barely scraping by picking the winners, outright winners, much less anything on the betting picks. So in week six, only went six and eight straight up. That is absolute utter garbage. 55, 35, and one so far on the season. Oh wait, it gets even better. Against the spread, 4 and 10 last week. 4 and 10. I've now given back every single little bit of goodwill against the spread that I had built up through the first 4 to 5 weeks of the season. 43, 47, and 1 against the spread. On the over-unders, Barely a little bit better, 5-9, and nine. now a full 11 games under 500 on the totals, 39-50-2. For the second consecutive week, my platinum pick was an absolute whiff because the Minnesota Vikings are dog shit. They lose to the Atlanta Falcons 40-23, to so straight up lost it, against the spread lost it, and they couldn't even stay under 55.5 points. Now on the plus side, at least the other three in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze were straight up wins. And I did correctly tell you to take Cincinnati plus eight against the spread in the silver pick. One of my better ATS plays so far on this season. Other than that, everything else is a popcorn fart. I've now moved down into a tie for 17th place in the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool out of 38, 507 out of 738 possible confidence points. That clip is still fine, 68.7%. If I keep that up all season, I'll be right there at the end of things. However, only brought in 58 out of 105 points in week six. That's only 55%, which is not 68%. Shout out to our week six winner, however, Hatbox's pick set. Chris, a longtime member of this community, one of the pillars of this community, I would say. 10 and 4 straight up, bringing in 82 of 105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of just over 78%. Nick Foles for MVP remains our overall leader, 64-26-1 straight up this season, having himself a heck of a straight up year. 573 out of 738 possible confidence points, that's a clip of 77.6%, and if history is any indication, that's going to come quite a bit closer to 70% towards the end of the season, which is why I'm not totally panicking in that pool just yet. 
in the ante and coast straight up pick and pull i've dropped to 19th place out of 33 so right in that meaty part of the curve with my 55 correct straight up picks which is only about 60.4 percent and i only brought in six of the 14 games last week which is under 43 percent and it is garbage and it is unacceptable Four teams tied last week with 10 and 4 records in week 6. That's 71.4% of the games. And again, you get to double digits every single week. It's never a bad thing and you're never in bad shape. That was good enough to co-tie for the week 6 win. Ray's Picks and Gavin O'Connor remain the overall leaders in the Ante and Co. pool. 64 correct straight-up picks of the 91 games played so far in the NFL this year. That's a 70.3% straight-up clip, and it is good enough to lead the way. Not much worth mentioning on Fantasy Corner either. It was the cherry on top of the turd pile that was week six. I went 0-6 across my six fantasy football teams last week, including losses in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League to drop me down to 5-1. and one. I am still in first place in that league. And a loss against Gavin drops me to 2-4. and four. I might be in last place in the Prognosticator's fantasy football league which is awful because i'm trying to defend my championship and that's getting less and less likely as the weeks go by i have week seven matchups coming up against tim's crazy team and against jeremy in the professionals and progs leagues respectively and I'll take this opportunity to remind you that, as always, if you go to the description of the YouTube video or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts like this train wreck that we're recording today, you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week seven in the NFL. You can find information on joining both the Bridgewater's Finest and the Ante and Co. straight up pick'em pools for 2020. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at NerdTees, although after this week's episode, who knows? NerdTees.ca, folks, is where you need to go, as if you didn't know already. Christmas getting ever, ever, ever closer. NerdTees.ca, and you want to hit that promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout on anything that you order from NerdTees.ca. You are also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over $100. You also get a great conversion rate, of course, on the U.S. dollar. Today's blend is white truffle. It's one of the sweeter blends that I've ever had from Nerd Teas. A delicious dessert tea after a big meal. Smells great. Tastes great. I can't recommend it highly enough. NerdTees.ca is where you will find dozens and dozens and dozens of high quality, delicious tea blends. Stuff you never would have thought of before. You are going to find something great. Use that promo code BWFINEST. Save your money. Get your free shipping. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love just in time for the holiday season. You can do it at NerdTees.ca. And if you can believe it, we still have 14 football games to talk about. I'm going to wait until the freezer behind me turns off before we start doing that. But the next time you hear me, it'll kick back in to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles at home playing host to the New York Giants, a big NFC East division matchup there. And you won't hear that freezer in the background. Hey, that didn't take too long. All right, Eagles and Giants, the battle for the prestigious 
possibly first place in the terrible NFC East division, possibly second place, depending on how the game goes. The Dallas Cowboys lead this division right now just at two and four, and obviously have just lost their franchise starting quarterback, so things, you know, not going so well. Eagles at 1-4-1 and one would obviously have the inside track if they won this game to catching the Cowboys for top spot in that division, but the Eagles are dealing with their own injury issues. Surprise, surprise. A pair of pretty significant injuries on the offensive side coming out of last week. Zach Ertz with an ankle injury. He's expected to miss three to four weeks. You could potentially see him get put on IR. And then also Miles Sanders. He hurt his knee last week. He is not expected to play this week. Could potentially miss the next two games. So that's two massive pieces of Carson Wentz's offense that will not be available to him this week. They get the benefit of playing at home, and the offense has been playing relatively well, that being the Eagles, over the last month or so, averaging about 26 points a game. But it's the defense. The defense has back-to-back weeks now of allowing at least 30, and two weeks ago they allowed 38. That defense is playing terribly right now. And look, the Giants, over their last two weeks... They've scored 54 points, so they're certainly getting better. A certain improvement over the previous two weeks to that where they scored 9 points and 9 points. And the defense is kind of still hit and miss. They're, they got a couple of good games and a couple of real stinkers, so it really feels like a bit of a flip of the coin when you're looking at the Giants. Despite the injuries on offense, I do genuinely feel like the Eagles will be able to put together a next man up or at least enough of a next man up mentality to win this football game. Tight division matchup, very important. Genuinely feel like the Eagles are the better football team. So I'm going to take Philly in this spot despite the injuries. Going to take them at home. Philly beats the Giants. On the line, the Eagles are laying a full four points at home. And especially with the Ertz and Sanders injuries, I don't think four points separates these two teams. Worth noting, the Eagles, as favorites this season, have yet to cover against the spread. They are 0-3, while to the Giants' credit, three of the five times that they have been underdogs, as in every pretty well every game they've played, they've covered So four points is just a little too much for me here. I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm going to grab the Giants plus four in a game they could very well win outright. Total in the game set at 43 and a half points. I only had this capped at like a high 30, not pressing over 40. The two teams are six and six on the totals this year. So let's stick with that under and go under 43 and a half points in Philly, New York. Let's go Eagles 21, Giants 18. Let's go to Atlanta now where the Falcons are going to play host to a Detroit Lions team on the tail end of back-to-back road games. The Falcons willy-nilly fire their coach and come up with a massive 40-point performance against the Minnesota Vikings. Who knew it was Dan Quinn that was choosing not to throw the ball to Julio? Both of these teams looking for something to cheer about at this point. Neither one of them have won a game at home this year. Falcons are 0-3, Detroit's 0-2. Both of Detroit's wins have come on the road, so that is certainly something that you want to look at. And both of these teams are coming into the game, at the very least, off of wins last week. Detroit's been on a fairly steady offensive incline over the last month, 21 to 26 to 29 to 34 points. So they've been playing well offensively. The defense, aside from last week where they did only give up the 16 points, really have yet to figure things out on the year. They got a 
40 spot. I think they got a couple of 30s against them. So, I mean, the defense not exactly playing well. You can say the same thing about Atlanta, but they're kind of on that same sort of upward trajectory defensively that the Lions are offensively. I liked what I saw out of the Atlanta Falcons last week. Let's see if they can keep it going or if it was just that one-week bump from firing Dan Quinn. I'm going to take the Falcons at home here. I think it's a better spot for them than it is for Detroit. You very rarely see a team start this badly in their own building. So let's grab the Falcons at home to beat Detroit. On the line, Falcons are laying three points as the home favorite. Makes sense to me for the most part. It might feel like a little bit too much for some people. I am going to lay those points, though. I like Atlanta to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. I cap them at a higher win than this, so we're going to lay those three points. Total in the game set at 56.5. I had the game at a low 60, so I've got it getting over 60. The two teams are combined 7 and 4 on the totals. So let's go over 56.5 points in Atlanta, Detroit. Let's go Falcons 34, Lions 27. Let's go to another division matchup, this time of the AFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals at home playing host to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland coming off of getting utterly spanked by another division opponent, uh, arguably the best team in that division, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is also the second of back-to-back -back road games for the Browns. Browns are 4-2, and two, but they don't feel like a 4-2 and two football team. They really, really don't. They've lost two division games already this season, so both of their losses have come inside the division. They've beat up a couple of NFC opponents, which is fine, but they just don't feel like a 4-2 football team. With the way Baker Mayfield's been playing, not up to a standard I guess you would expect with the weapons that he has... David Njoku wants a trade out of town. They're talking about the possibility of Odell Beckham wanting a trade out of town. Stop me if you've heard that before. They're talking about uh, Stephen A. Smith is like Jarvis Landry must leave Cleveland. There's just there's all the noise and the noise, I guess, is constant. Whether the Browns are up or whether they're down, the noise is going to be constant. And you can understand the noise in Cincinnati but I don't think Cincinnati right now is failing to meet expectations. They're 1-4-1. One, and one. That's kind of what people expected. And they got a rookie quarterback who just got his first win a few weeks ago. Cincinnati's offense, about what we expected. The defense, about what we expected. Cleveland's offense playing fairly well, aside from, you know, only putting up seven points last week. They had been, prior to that, one of the better offenses points-wise in the NFL. Their defense is playing terribly. They've had back-to-back, -back, sorry, not back-to-back, -back, two games in the last three where they've allowed 38 points. And yes, you can look at, oh, who are the opponents in those games? But it, what really matters is like the actual result, regardless of what the other team is on the other side. I wouldn't have expected Cleveland to give up 38 to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not really that team necessarily to me, although they've got now back-to-back -back weeks of 38 points to the Steelers. They just don't feel like a 30-plus point team week in and week out. But to give up 38 to Pittsburgh, that's indicative of a problem for Cleveland defensively. And I think it's a problem genuinely that the Bengals can exploit. Division game, tail end of back-to-back -back roadies. I like the underdog here. I'm going to take Cincinnati to upset the Cleveland Browns. Cincinnati beats Cleveland in Cincinnati. 
On the line, Cincinnati are obviously three and a half point dogs at home. I like them to win outright, so I'm going to take those three and a half, go Cincinnati, plus 3.5. Total in the game set at 51 points. This is pretty darn close to where I capped it personally. I'm going to lean on the fact that the two teams are seven and five on the total so far this year. And again, obviously that's a little skewed with what happened early in the season, but I'm going to lean on that and I'm going to have this game just barely crawl over the total let's go over 51 points in cleveland cincinnati let's go Bengals 27 browns 26 i fully expect this thing crawls over the total probably on the last play of the game let's go to tennessee now where the perpetually underrated tennessee titans are going to play host to the pittsburgh steelers and this is arguably one of the two marquee matchups that we have on the slate this week. Neither one of these teams has lost a game yet this season, both of them sitting at a sparkling 5-0. and oh. Now, they've done it a little bit differently. Tennessee has done it more so with their offense than with the defense. Pittsburgh, definitely on the defensive side of the ball. They've only given up 94 points in five games. Obviously, look, both of these two teams are excellent. Not a back-to-back road game situation, but we do have an injury situation, and it's on the Titans' offensive line. Left tackle Taylor Lewan, who dealt with some injury issues last year, if I remember correctly, unfortunately tore his ACL. He is done for the year, and that is just going to be shades of things to come as we talk about more offensive lines as the games go on. So that's a big hit. That's definitely a big hit when Pittsburgh's pass rush is as good as it is with TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. That's a really good defense, and it's going to be tough without your starting left tackle. All of a sudden, with a pair of great games under his belt, this all of a sudden turns into a marquee running back matchup as well. Derrick Henry taking on James Conner. And James Conner, I think, has either back-to-back or back-to-back-to-back 100-yard games on the ground. Scored a touchdown last week. Conner starting to feel it for sure. And look, Derrick Henry's the king, man. The reason Tennessee won that game last week, inarguably, was the back and the legs of Derrick Henry. In such a close matchup here, I think I'm going to skew on any edge I can find. And I think the one true edge here is Pittsburgh's defense. Pittsburgh and Tennessee can keep up with each other on the offensive side, but Pittsburgh's defense is markedly better than Tennessee's is, especially lately. Pittsburgh is just rolling along, only giving up 20 points a game. Tennessee, on the other hand, allowing 28 We're going to go with the team that's playing better right now, and in my opinion, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's take the Steelers on the road in Tennessee to beat the Titans. On the line, the Steelers are actually laying a point and a half as a road favorite. Originally, this line opened at Tennessee minus one, so obviously now Tennessee plus a point and a half. I like Pittsburgh to win. It's a very small price to pay at only 1.5. Worth noting, the Steelers are 4-1 and one this season against the spread as a favorite, so they've been favorites in all five of their games. Let's lay that point and a half a very small price and take Pittsburgh minus 1.5. Total in the game set at 52 points. This is relatively close. I got this right around a mid-50. Maybe, you know, it's it, this is going to be kind of tight, but the two teams are combined 7-3 and three on the totals. So even though Pittsburgh's defense is playing great, they're still going over a little bit more than they're going under. So we're going to skew on the over on this, even though the number starts with a 5. Let's go over 52 points 
in Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Let's go Steelers 31, Titans 23. Let's go to Washington now for the other NFC East matchup. The Washington football team taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Now Dallas, of course, entering on the short week as one of four teams who played last night on Monday Night Football. They also enter with a pretty significant injury potentially on their offensive line. Again, this division is packed so tightly, and I get the feeling it's probably going to be this way for the rest of the season. Dallas currently leading the division at 2-4, and four, Washington at 1-5, and five, but they're in the basement. So literally top and bottom of this division is only separated by a game. And genuinely, even though Washington has lost five games in a row after opening the season with that shocking win against Philly... I genuinely don't think these two teams are all that different, especially now without Dak Prescott. Obviously, Zeke Elliott is the atom bomb on either one of these teams, but you saw him fumble the ball twice last night and seed carries to Tony Pollard. And Dallas obviously has the significant edge on the offensive side here just in terms of their last four games, 29 points on average to only 18 points on average for Washington. Neither one of these defenses are all that good, but the Dallas Cowboys defense, ugh, inarguably the worst defensive unit in the NFL right now, allowing 40 points on average over their last four games. Now you can, again, you can look at the opponents, but that's simply indicative of not getting the job done. Washington, say what you will about them, they are giving up 29 points in the last four, but 29 is not 40. As we mentioned, along Dallas's offensive line, which is makeshift as it is, their starting right guard, Zach Martin. He suffered a concussion in that game last night. He would be in protocol. You'd have to assume his status would be very much up in the air, especially given that this is a short week for Dallas. I think there are certain things that I can expect will happen in this game. I think one team's pass rush is going to get home. I think with two quarterbacks that you could probably look at at this point in their careers as relatively even, I think one secondary is better than the other one. I think that team is playing at home. I think the Washington football team wins this game. Let's take the Washington football team at home to upset the Dallas Cowboys. And it is still an upset even without... Uh, Dak Prescott because on the line Washington are three-point dogs here at home I would like this line regardless of who you think is going to win the game and three is not a huge margin but obviously I'm taking it since I like Washington to win outright but Dallas has not covered yet this year as a favorite against the spread they're 0-4 so no matter what they were favored by they have failed to cover four times. So I'm going to lean on Washington here. I think this is a good hedge one way or the other. Situationally, at the very least, Washington plus three. Totaling the game set at 48 points. I think this is pretty well a perfect number. And even though the two teams are seven and five on the totals so far this season, a lot of that was done with Dak. I'm feeling an under in this one, especially considering it's a relatively high 40 at 48. Let's go under 48 points in Dallas, Washington. Let's go Washington 26, Dallas 21, another division matchup that probably ends on the last play of the game. Let's go to Houston now where the Texans are going to welcome the Green Bay Packers into town. Green Bay has to be pretty darn upset after getting 
pretty well embarrassed by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks in Tampa Bay. So obviously this is back-to-back road games for the Packers. Packers also looking at a pretty significant potential injury on the offensive line. And boy, did it show against Tampa. Green Bay with the loss actually ceded first place in the division to the Chicago Bears. I still don't think the Bears are the contenders that a lot of other people seem to be claiming that they are. I still think the Packers are in the driver's seat to win this division. Although at 4-1, I obviously would have liked to have seen them put up a better fight against Tampa Bay. Meanwhile, Houston, after getting off the schneid with their first win of the season right after they fired Bill O'Brien, they came up on the losing end of things last week. But I mean, that was a pretty darn good game. I actually took Houston to win that game and the game went to overtime and they they had it. They kind of had it before it went to overtime and then Derrick Henry happened. The unfortunate thing for Houston this week, despite the fact that they are at home, is they're playing another team who has guys where blank happened. Aaron Rodgers happened. Aaron Jones happened. Devontae Adams happened. As I mentioned, potentially significant injury on the Packers' offensive line. That is David Bakhtiari, their starting left tackle. He injured his chest. There's no update on that injury as of right now. You'd have to consider him questionable, I would think, for this game, although he'll have plenty of time to get rested up. And Houston are top 10 in the NFL in sacks, I believe, is what I read. So, You know, they're going to need all the help they can get. Green Bay will on the offensive line. Both of these offenses playing fairly well right now. Green Bay is playing a little bit better despite the fact that they only put up 10 points last week. Both of these defenses, not exactly great. Green Bay's, I would say, a little bit better. And look, especially the one nuclear weapon in this game to me is Aaron Jones. Houston cannot stop the run to save their souls. Aaron Jones, there's no reason to me, there's no excuse why Aaron Jones wouldn't touch the ball 25 to 30 times in this game, and Green Bay should be able to moonwalk out of Houston with a victory there. So let's do that. Let's take the Green Bay Packers on the road in Houston to beat the Texans. On the line, Houston are three and a half point dogs at home. This line makes perfect sense to me. Green Bay favored by three and a half. They'd be about a touchdown favorite if the game was in Lambeau, and Houston has failed to cover as an underdog. They failed to cover as a dog against the spread this season. They're only 0-4. They have not yet covered. So, look, 3.5 points. This is pretty easy lay down for me. So we're going to lay that 3.5 on Green Bay. Total in the game set at 56.5 points. This is the highest number of the week alongside Detroit and Atlanta. And I'm going to go over on it yet again. Because, again, neither one of these defenses particularly shows me much that's interesting i think this is another perfect total the two teams are combined seven and four let's go over on it let's go over 56 and a half points in green bay houston let's go packers 31 texans 27 let's make it an interesting game let's go to arizona now where all of a sudden this is arguably a battle for this division for the inside track in this division the seattle seahawks On the road in Arizona, cards enter the game obviously on the short week having played last night in a victory against Dallas. Seattle coming into the game off of their bye. Seattle enters this game with an unblemished 5-0 record. However, they have not played a division opponent yet this season. Arizona has a win inside the division so far and are winners of back-to-back football games. 
Definitely have to give the edge on the offensive side to the Seahawks. There were a number of things in that game last night with Arizona where I really would have expected them, even though, look, I'm not going to argue about it. They put up 38 points, but it felt like they should have put up 48. Like there were just a couple of moments early on, especially in that game where I was just like, I would have liked to have seen a conversion there or man, that should have been a completed pass, but Hey, Pepperidge Farm remembers Christian Kirk. And now all of a sudden you do too. He had two touchdowns last night. But I think the biggest edge in this game is on the defensive side. The Cardinals are showing up. Aside from like a little blemish a couple of weeks ago, they've had back-to-back games where they've only allowed 10 points. They're only allowing 19 on average over the last four weeks. And if you can say anything bad about the Seahawks, it's that their defense is predictably not very good. I mean, they allowed 23 points two weeks ago, but they got a couple of 30-point spots before that. This is not exactly a great defensive unit right now. This is the other big marquee matchup of the week for me, and I actually like the Arizona Cardinals here. Weird stuff happens in this division, man. I'm going to take Arizona at home. I know Seattle hasn't lost yet. Russell Wilson's my dynasty quarterback. I love the Seattle Seahawks. Even though they're coming in off their bye and Arizona's coming in in the short week, I still just don't think it's a great position for them. I'm going to take Arizona here. I think Arizona's defense is all the difference in this one. Cardinals with the upset at home. Arizona beats Seattle. On the line, the cards are three and a half point dogs coming into this. That line makes perfect sense to me. I like Arizona to win outright. I'm going to take those points happily. Arizona plus 3.5. Total in the game is set at 56. Now, originally I had this thing going over. I'm going against my own kind of... um, judgment in this one because as you can tell by my record my judgment hasn't been fantastic so far this year the two teams are only combined three and eight on the totals so i'm gonna lean on that that's a pretty strong trend i'm gonna lean under on this we're gonna go under 56 points in seattle arizona let's go cards 27 seahawks 24 arizona with the big win Let's go to Denver now where the Broncos, who I am sure this time are playing on their home field, are going to play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, a lot of things going against Kansas City coming into this game. It's a short week. They just played last night. It's the tail end of back-to-back road games. That's never good, as we have indicated thus far on the season. Those teams are only 6-11-1 straight up. And they've got an injury situation that they're dealing with. Chiefs certainly have the inside track in this division, which is about what you could have expected right from the jump of this season. Chiefs at 5-1, and one, getting back on the happy side of par last week. Broncos have won back-to-back games after starting the season 0-3. Denver's no pushover here. So as we mentioned, among the things going against the Chiefs in this game... Another, you guessed it, injury on the offensive line. Chiefs right tackle Mitchell Schwartz injured his back on Monday night. There's been no updates so far. I would have to consider him probably highly questionable to play in this game. Denver's pass rush might have a couple of extra open lanes there trying to pass rush Patrick Mahomes. Ultimately, I do think this is still a little bit too much versus a little bit not enough. I think these two defenses are relatively comparable. If anything, Denver's statistically might even be a little bit better. But I mean, over the last month, 
Kansas City's only given up 22 points a game. And if there is a significant difference, obviously it's on the offensive side and obviously it's in Kansas City's favor. So even with all that fun stuff going against them, the injury, the short week, the back-to-back roadies, we're still going to take the Chiefs here on the road in Denver. Chiefs beat the Broncos. On the line, however... Denver is a nine-point dog at home against Kansas City. Number one, this is too many points for me in a division game. And number two, Denver, as an underdog, are four and one against the spread so far this season. That's pretty darn good for me. I'm going to grab that, and I'm going to take Denver plus the nine points. I think this game, defensively, closer than people expect it to be. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I only have this thing capped at like a high 30, maybe pressing 40 points. And the two teams are only four and seven combined on the totals this year. We're going to go under on this one and feel pretty darn comfortable about it. Let's stay under 48 and a half points in Kansas City, Denver. Let's go Chiefs 21, Broncos 18. Let's go to New England now, a battle of two teams that will limp into this football game. The Patriots playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. Patriots in the very unfamiliar position of looking up in the standings at not only the Buffalo Bills who lead the division, but the Miami Dolphins at 3-3. They're looking up at everybody but the Jets because who looks up to the Jets other than Gary Vaynerchuk? Meanwhile, much of the same can be said about the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they're 3-3, three and three, got back on the happy side of things last week, but they are in the basement of an ultra-competitive NFC West. At 3-3, three and three, they're looking up at the Rams, Cards, and Seahawks. As I mentioned, a couple of potentially serious injuries here, one for the Patriots and one for the 49ers. For the Patriots, once again, it's on the offensive line. Right tackle Jermaine Illuminor, who sounds like he has a last name that's pulled straight out of Lord of the Rings, and I love it. He injured his ankle last week. He got rolled up on. Cam Newton took a sack, and his ankle got rolled up on. No update. I'd have to consider him highly doubtful, though. That ankle injury looked serious, looked like a high ankle sprain, I would assume it would be something that's probably going to keep him out for a few weeks, maybe even land him on IR. And for the Niners, their very potent running attack, going to be a little less potent for the near future. Raheem Mostert, once again, goes down with an injury. This time it is a high ankle sprain. He's likely headed to IR today if he hasn't already been placed there and will likely miss at least three games. Freezer just kicked back on, so luckily we know what to do. We're going to angle ourselves over to the side just a little bit. Uh, Patriots have been pretty darn average lately. They've only scored 22 points in their last two games combined, and they're only averaging 22 over the last month. The defense has been okay. Hasn't been spectacular, but it's been okay. And at the very least, you can say the 49ers offensively have kind of started to turn things around. Now only 24 and 20 points over the last two weeks, but 36 and 31 a couple weeks before that. San Francisco knows how to do this. The defense seems like maybe it's turning a corner aside from that one hiccup a couple of weeks ago. I genuinely think the 49ers are the better football team here. We're going to take San Francisco on the road in New England to hang another loss on Belichick and the Patriots. On the line, the Patriots are two and a half point favorites at home, and I really don't understand this line at all. If they were going to be a favorite, I would expect maybe like a half point maybe one. Really, I feel like this game should be a pick but if you're going to give me the two and a half points, I'll just say thank you very much. I like the Niners to win outright, so I'll take that 2.5. 
Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I only have this thing at like a low 30. Like this thing gets into 30 points. I don't think it gets into 40. The two teams are only five and six on the totals this year. So let's go under on this bad boy. Under 45 and a half points in New England, San Francisco. Let's go Niners 18 Patriots 14 and the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum gold silver and bronze picks for week seven hopefully we can turn those around as well sees the Los Angeles Rams play host to the Chicago Bears Rams and Bears both enter this game with solid records on the season Rams at four and two Bears at five and one but they're in two very different conditions within their division Bears leading the NFC North Rams probably two games out I'd say in the NFC West Rams did not look good last week, whereas the Bears won their second consecutive game. I think there's a lot of conversation now looking at this Rams team like, oh, well, they just beat up on the NFC East, which is bad, and they're not really as good as we think they are. But to that, I would also counter with this. Not only are the Bears entering on the tail end of back-to-back road games, but the Bears also aren't as good as people are giving them credit for. They're not as good as their record indicates, which you can also say about the Los Angeles Rams. The Bears offensively are not good. They're not a good offense. They're averaging 21 points a game. They had one game with 30 points like a month ago. Since then, it's been 11, 20, and 23. Now, I will take nothing away from the Bears defensively. Because defensively, they have played very well. 16, 19, and 19 points against in their last three games. The Bears' defense has come to play. The offense has not come to play. You can say whatever you want about David Montgomery. Their run game is not good enough. Between the actual results, play-to-play... And the lack of commitment to the run game. If they can't run the football, I don't think they're going to beat the Rams. The Rams have a better offense, and they have a defense that is, I would say, just as good as Chicago's. So we're really going to see, now we're really going to see which one of these teams is for real. My personal opinion, I feel like it's the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams. Let's lean on that back-to-back road game situation and take the Rams at home to beat Chicago. On the line, Rams are laying five and a half points at home. This number's too many. Like this is this is a perfectly built hedge situation. Not only are the Bears four and one against the spread as underdogs this year, which is what they are here, of course, by five and a half points, but like in two teams that are so similar to each other, that's just way too many points. So, like I would expect this at like maybe Rams minus three. Or Rams minus two and a half, but certainly not five and a half. We're hedging our bets here and we're taking the Bears plus 5.5. Total in the game set at 46 points. I've only got this at like a mid to high 30. And the two teams are only four and eight on the total so far this year. So let's lean under on this one. Go under 46 points in Chicago, Los Angeles. Let's go Rams 21, Bears 16. All right, here we go, folks. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week seven in the NFL. And breaking news as I'm recording this episode, the Miami Dolphins have named Tua Tagovailoa their new starting quarterback moving forward over Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we'll have to see how that starts playing itself out next week when Miami's off their bye. There's your little tease for the week eight episode. 
But with the PGSB picks, we are going to start as always with the bronze pick where I am a perfect 6-0 straight up. Only 5-7 and seven combined on the betting picks of uh, against the spread and over under. This game sees the New Orleans Saints at home playing host to the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans coming in off their bye. Division matchup here of the NFC South, of course. Saints, second place in the division at 3-2, and two, just a game behind the division-leading Tampa Bay Bucks. Panthers, even money right now at 3-3, three and three, which, minus Christian McCaffrey, is a pretty big accomplishment. Saints obviously well-rested coming out of their bye and coming off of three straight games where they've put up at least 30 points on the offensive side. Now, on Carolina's side, look, their offense is not playing terribly, but is certainly not playing to that level. The real surprise, I would say, would have to be the Carolina Panthers on defense, only giving up 19 points per game over their last four games. New Orleans, not exactly looking great. They've given up 32, so the defense is actually allowing the opponents to outscore that really good offense. It's starting to smell like a little bit of an upset recipe, but the big X factor here, obviously Alvin Kamara and obviously Michael Thomas looking like he's going to finally return this week from that early season injury. And this offense looks completely different with Michael Thomas in it. They look elite, which is exactly what they are. Drew Brees stocks going through the roof. I like the Saints here. I think it's a good spot for them at home. I'm going to take New Orleans, a well-rested New Orleans team, to beat Carolina. On the line, the Saints are laying seven and a half points at home against Carolina. I think this is too many points for me. It's a division game. Carolina's defense is playing really, really well. I feel like this game's going to be closer than that. 7.5, just too many. Give me Carolina plus seven and a half. Total in the game set at 51 points. This is a pretty good total. I have this capped right around a mid-50. The two teams are combined 7-4 and four on the totals so far this year. I think this thing crawls over. So let's go over 51 points in Carolina, New Orleans. We're going to go Saints straight up, but we're taking Carolina plus 7.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 51 points. That is my bronze pick. Saints 30, Panthers 26. My silver pick where I'm 5-1 straight up and 6-5-1 and one combined against the spread and over under sees the Las Vegas Raiders coming off their bye week at home taking on Tampa Bay. Bucks obviously figured things out against Green Bay last week getting back on the happy side with a pretty darn dominant win. The Raiders meanwhile... I think the Raiders have impressed some people this season. And I mean, look, they are sitting here with an above 500 record at three and two. They did win their last time out. They're coming in off their bye to be well rested. They've won a game at home. I think the things are looking a little more optimistic, I believe, for Raiders backers. I'm just not quite convinced. Don't get me wrong. They're scoring 30 points a game, which is great. They're also giving up 30 points a game, which is not great. Meanwhile, you have a Bucks team that's scoring 34 points a game over their last four games. They're only giving up 18. I think the one big, big determining squad in this game is going to be that Bucks defense. You saw it last week against Aaron Rodgers. When the pass rush can get home, and that's a really good pass rush that the Bucks have, when the pass rush can get home, great quarterbacks can look average. And that's exactly what Tampa did last week. It's kind of what I think Tampa's going to do again this week. Even though the game's in Vegas, and even though Vegas will be the better rested of the two teams, I like Tampa in this one on the road. Let's take the Bucks in Vegas to beat the Raiders. 
Now, on the line, the Raiders are two and a half point dogs at home. This line makes perfect sense to me. The Bucks are laying two and a half as road favorites. I like the Bucks to win. It's a pretty small price to pay. So I'm going to lay that two and a half points. Take the Bucks minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 53 and a half points. I've got this thing at a high 50. The two teams are a combined 7-3 and 1 on the totals so far this season. Let's take the over there. We're going to go over 53 and a half points in Tampa, Las Vegas. Let's go Bucks 31, Raiders 27. Bucks straight up. We're going to hammer the Bucks minus two and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 53 and a half points. That is the silver pick. And I just mixed up the pick and the scores, but that's okay. Once again, Bucks 31, Raiders 27. My gold pick where I'm five and one straight up, but only a combined four and eight against the spread and on the totals sees the Los Angeles Chargers at home taking on a Jacksonville Jaguars team that will be dealing with the final injury that we will be talking about. And guess where it comes? This is a battle of one-win football teams, which might sound crazy why I would have this game so high in my picks. But again, not all one-win teams are built the same way. The Chargers at 1-4 and four are built on the fact that they've struggled to score points, but at least their defense has played fairly well. The Jacksonville Jaguars at 1-5 and five are a team that can't score points, but also can't stop anybody. As we mentioned, the final injury that we would be talking about on Jacksonville's offensive line. Congratulations if you got that one correct. Right guard AJ Can injured his shoulder last week. There was no update on him at recording time. You'd have to consider him pretty highly questionable in this game, I would say. With that going against the Jags, with the fact that the Jags are not in their home building, the fact that the Chargers are coming in off their bye to be well-rested, I think Justin Herbert has a field day in this game. Let's take the Chargers at home to beat the Jags. On the line, the Chargers are laying seven and a half points here at home, which is a big number. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a justified number. I don't think the Jags are trying to win. I genuinely think the Jags are in the same territory as the New York Jets, very clearly not trying to win. So I'm going to lay those seven and a half points on the Chargers, even though like neither one of these teams are all that reliable. And I obviously have a very checkered history with the LA chargers, but I'm still going to lay those points. Cause I, I genuinely think they win this game big total in the game set at 49 and a half points. I'm actually going against what I originally had this game capped. I had it going a little bit higher than this, but the two teams are only a combined five and six on the totals. So the points are not flowing for either one of these teams. We're going to stick under on this one and go under 49 and a half points in Jacksonville, LA. Let's go Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 49 and a half points. That is your gold pick. Give me Chargers 30, Jags 17, and the platinum pick where I'm only three and three straight up and only a combined four and eight against the spread and over under. This pick has let me down two weeks in a row. Let's see if we can't fix it by betting against the team that's trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence. This sees the Buffalo Bills on the road in New York taking on the Jets. Yes, it's a short week for the Bills, but the Bills are the best team in this division. The Jets are the worst team in football. That's about all that I think I have to say. Buffalo's going to roll in this one. Please, God, let's fix this pick. On the line, even on the tail end of Buffalo's performance uh, on Monday Night Football, the Bills are laying a baker's dozen. 
Minus 13 on the road in New York division game, and they're going to cover it. (laughs) Give me Buffalo minus 13. The Jets have failed to cover against the spread as a dog this year. On average, they are losing games by 20 points. That's a full touchdown, more than what this line is. So usually I would say, you know what? It's it's a division game. If this was Miami, maybe even. No, it's, it's, it's tough to say. But like usually I'd say, look, it's a division game. They're on the road. Laying that many points is ridiculous. And under normal circumstances, it is. But when you play a game, badly lose, and then trade one of your defensive players after your defense just gave up. Uh, how many points did they give up in that game? The Jets gave up uh, 24. So that's not crazy. But like you just got shut out by Miami, another division opponent. Uh, the Jets are not trying to win football games. So we're going to lay that 13 points on the Bills. Total in the game set at 47 points. I don't know what I'm getting from one side offensively. I know the other side's probably going to have a fun day. But I don't know what I'm getting from one. This is a close number and I'm kind of going against... The fact that the two teams are 7-4 and 1 on the total so far this year. I'm going to stay under on this total because, I mean, for all I know, the Jets might only score a field goal, you know? It's always tough to say with them week in and week out. We're going to stick under 47 points in Buffalo, New York. Let's go Bills 31, Jets 13. Bills straight up. We're going to hammer the Bills minus 13 against the spread in a game that stays under 47 points. That is the platinum pick. Once again, 31-13 Bills. There you go, folks. Our arduous Lord of the Rings-like journey to record this week's episode is at a close. Those are your games for week seven. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. My comment of the week from the week six episode goes to Matt, the NFL fanatic, and this is the first time I believe I've called his name this season, and usually he'll make a comment saying, you know, which picks he disagrees with and why, and I got to highlight him this week because he was perfect across the board. He disagreed with three picks of mine. Uh, He went with Tennessee over Houston. That worked out. He went with Chicago over, I believe, Carolina. That worked out. And he went with Arizona over Dallas. And that worked out. So we got to highlight him here. The Texans have been awful and the Titans should be getting their COVID listed players off the list for the game against the Texans. They did so. Chicago, this is the better defense and this is the best defense the Panthers have played. So I don't think Teddy will play as well for the W and that was true as well. Arizona, Big 12 football going with the coach and quarterback that played in the Big 12. Uh, I don't know whether that was a a great reason or not, but Arizona certainly did wind up winning the game. So you know what? It worked out. Good luck this week. Thank you very much, Matt. Good luck to you this coming week in week seven. And yours is the comment of the week from the week six episode. There you go, folks. Week seven, it's in the books. No matter what the construction people want, no matter what the weird karma of this year wants, we are bringing you these episodes every single bloody week. I'll be right back here next week for week eight. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled as always by my cold cup, but still delicious cup of Nerd Tees, my great friends and sponsors. Enjoy the games in lucky week number seven. Please God, I hope it's lucky for us. We'll see you again in week eight. Thank you.